Welcome everyone to the Apocalary Podcast. I'm Steve. He is Dr. Van Beek. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's a warm day in Edmonton. It's a kind of a warm day in Calgary, but hey, we're, we're here for you folks. This is commitment. We're going to tough it yep. out. We're actually going to be cool, I think, tomorrow and then warm again for about three more days. It's it's kind of, hmm. it just, it jumps, it's been jumping up and down quite a bit. But, hmm. Hmm. but hmm. I am surviving. I am surviving. Yeah. Yeah. And it um, won't be long before it'll be 20 below. That's right. I was just thinking it's, you know, in Calgary, we're about a month away from the first snow. Yeah. Yeah. And you've had years where it snowed every month. Yeah. Everybody, everybody from Calgary has told me that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's the first thing they tell you. It's like, how yeah. do you know someone's a vegan? Yeah. They tell you within the first 10 they, seconds. Oh, yeah. There's no, way, there's no way you cannot know. That someone's a vegan. Yeah. I think I was watching a movie. He said, if, if I hear one more person from Texas that drank water out of a hoof mark in the ground, I'm going to buy him a, I'm going to buy him a drink. <laughs> Sorry. Well, tonight, bud, we're going to talk about Joel three, right? Yes, we are. And Joel, I was just listening to a commentator on Joel and realized again, that futurists are, are several products prophecy type people, but people that are dispensational futurists specifically really see a lot of future stuff in Joel. Mm. Um, and, and it's well-earned, remember, because, because Peter actually quotes Joel, you know, this is what was spoken of in the prophet Joel. And and he talks about the Holy spirit being poured out on them, um, in the last days. And, um, and then of course, as we've said several times, and we will say again here, that, that Joel looks very much like Matthew 13 and or Mark 13 and Matthew 24, right? The, they yeah. are very, and Revelation 6, yeah. they're very much like Joel. <coughs> and part of what we're going to read tonight is going to look a little bit like Revelation again. So, so Joel used a lot of other books in the Old Testament. So it's possible those New Testament books use those other books. But it's, it's quite likely that they use Joel because Joel summarizes so many other books. Yeah, yeah, Remember yeah. we talked about it before. He uses um, Zephaniah and he uses Amos and uh, Ezekiel and Jeremiah. He, he just and, and um, Exodus, he, he just uses all kinds of Old Testament in his thing. And, he, and, he's, and he's so unspecific about what he writes. Like he doesn't write about a specific time in Israel's in Israel's past or future or present. Mm. And he doesn't seem to, um, he doesn't allude to any particular sin. Mm. And some of the authors are saying, um, he's, he, it's like he thinks they're reading the same stuff he's reading. Mm-hmm. And therefore he's, all that he's really saying is based on the stuff we're reading in the other prophets, it's time for us to repent. Ah, ah. Okay, that's an interesting yeah. take on it, right? But it also puts yeah. Joel after all those guys too, right? Yeah, and that's the other oddity. Um, well, it, he's still after a lot of those guys anyway. But but some of the authors will put him about eight thirty five, which is which is really early. Like right. you know that's you know that's what do we say a hundred years before the Assyrian captivity. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but others put him, you know, in after the time of Ezra, around the time of Ezra, they put him in the sixth century. Right. And and therefore they put him as a post exilic. And so mm-hmm. that he's looking back on all that exile stuff. Right. Right. But it, but it's but 
where you put him completely changes um, the political landscape, of course. If you put him in the 800s, then you have Israel and Judah as two separate nations. Right. You know, um, sometimes fighting with each other, sometimes fighting against each other, you know, joining with all the other nations around them. If you put him in the time of Ezra, you know, the, the time of the rebuilding of the city walls, Nehemiah, you know, mm -hmm. Ezra, finding of the New Testament, then then what you've got is um, is a nation coming back after the exile. Mm. And, you know, and the problem with the Samaritans and the, and the things that are going on then. So it's, it's a very different time. But, but the stuff he says was, was picked up by, by several New Testament writers. Um, and whether they, like, again, whether they used him or the people that he used, it seems more likely that they used him. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, so we had just talked about last week, uh, we talked about, you know, the day of the Lord. And, right. and just how important the day of the Lord was and, and how the, the prophets, what they did with the day of the Lord is they changed it from a time when Israel's enemies would be judged to a time when Israel itself would be judged first, mm. Israel mm. and Judah, if you take it at the mm. certain mm. time. Mm. But we'll yeah. say the Jewish nations would be judged first and then their captives would be judged or their enemies would be judged. And then God would bring the whole thing back, uh, back around. And the dispensational prophets or the dispensational writers, um, those that see this seven year thing happening in our future, see all of this pointing very strongly to the future hmm. and say, he is talking about the future. He's talking about Israel. Um, he's talking about the Jewish nation who are really not a part of some of this stuff that's going on. And then God brings them back in. Hmm. Right. Okay. And then, of course, the fulfillment of the of the promise um, to the Jewish nation. Right. Uh, right. And, and, it, and some of it, when you read it, you think, yeah, he is looking to something far in the future. Hmm. But let's let's read what he has to say this time. Now, the other author, of course, doesn't see any of that and sees this all in Israel's time. Right. And this is this is asking Israel to repent and a promise to Israel that God's going to do wonderful things for them. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful, physical, present day things for them. Yeah. Okay. All right, folks, picking it up in, in uh, Joel 3. In those days, and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of, it, of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all nations and bring them down to the Valley of Jehoshaphat. There I will put them on trial for what they did to my inheritance, my people Israel, because they scattered my people among the nations and divided up my land. They cast lots for my people and traded boys for prostitutes. They sold girls for wine to drink. What have okay, you against? So, yep. Oh, here, I'll just stop there. Yeah, and, yeah. And, I'll, and we'll just we'll just talk about that for a second. So this is kind of interesting, right? Because he's talking about the fortunes of Judah and the fortunes and Jerusalem. Okay. Um, Jerusalem, of course, was the main city for Judah. You know, and Jerusalem, you know, the holy city and all that. Right, right. But if, if you're talking about Judah and Jerusalem, it sounds like you're talking about pre-exilic, mm -hmm. right? But you might not be. You might not be. Um, you, you know, he could still be using that kind of language later on. But then he says, I'm going to bring the nations to the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Mm -hmm. And I looked into that. Um, this Valley of Jehoshaphat, later on, he's going to talk about the Valley of Decision. Mm -hmm. Right? And... And I thought maybe there was an actual valley that they were referring to specifically. 
And if it's an actual valley, it's the Kidron Valley. Um, so, so the writers say, you know, because we're really not sure. Jehoshaphat right. really means the judgment of Yahweh. Oh, okay. Didn't know that. So, so Valley of Decision, Valley of Jeho- Jehoshaphat. Some say it, it's it's really what it's pointing at is God's judgment. Hmm. This okay. is God's judgment. And it makes sense. I'm going to put him on trial. Yeah. Right. But then it says, because he scattered my people. And that sounds like the captivities. Right. The dispersion, right? The dispersion yeah. of the Jews. It actually sounds like the captivity of Babylon over Judah in 586. Mm-hmm. When, mm-hmm. when they, you know, the great dispersion. Yeah. Right. Which when you're doing studies, they always call it the diaspora. Hmm. Which sounds really, really important, but it just means that Jewish people were taken and sent all over, because that was Babylon's way, right? We're yeah. going to send. We're going to first. We take the really cool kids, you yeah. know, the ones that look like they have a shot at being useful, and then we'll go. <laughs> then later on, we'll go and gather the rest, and we'll, you know, spread them out, and you know, so that, so those kids can be the Daniels, right? Shadrach, yeah. Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, and they can come, and they can they can work in politics, you know, and the rest of the guys can shovel manure off in the back 40 yeah Um, (laughs) and they and they actually took daniel around 607 they think and the final was was 586 so it was quite a period of time there right um but this does sound like this book has to be later Hmm. than um than the 800s yeah of course if you're if you're a conservative prophet you can write this at any time and refer to any time yeah you know, you could write it in the 800s and be referring to, you know, the 500s. Right. Or 600s. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Oh, and so I'll finish up here. Um, so, so because they did this, I am going to take away what they have. Mm. Right. I'm going to cast lots for them. And then, he, then he says some terrible things that they do. You know, they traded boys for prostitutes. And it's funny. When I read that, I thought it meant they made boys prostitutes. Hmm. But what it might mean is they traded their children so that they could have prostitutes. Mm. Mm. Because the next one, they sold their girls for wine. I almost said for wine racks, but for <laughs> wine to drink. They sold it, and, and so they're, they're selling their, their children for these ridiculous things, right? Right, right. And he says the, the level of sin is, is just so far. Yeah. You know, level of sin has gone so far. Mm. Mm. So don't look around us today because... Just don't look around at this point, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, verse four. Now, what do you have against me, Tyre and Sidon, and all you regions of Felicia? Uh, are you repaying me for something I have done? If you are paying me back, I will swiftly and speedily return on your own heads what you have done. For you took my silver and my gold and carried off my finest treasures to your temples. You sold the people of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks that you might send them far from their homeland. Yeah, again, that's that's pretty interesting stuff, eh? So Tyre and Sidon uh, and Sidon are the were the capital cities of of the Phoenician Empire. Right. Right. Jeze- remember, Jezebel was a Phoenician um, priestess. Okay. And, and so he could be looking back in time a little bit when he's picking this stuff up, right? And mm-hmm. and Philistia, um, the Philistines, of course, that's. Um, Gad and stuff, the, the, the three cities of the Philistines, Akron, Gad, and the one that started with an E. And, um, Ekron, and so, Ekron, right? Ekron, that's it. Thank you. No, Thank no. you. Yeah. And so, but but I thought by 
by this later time, by the time of Ezra, I didn't think Philistia was still around. So mm-hmm. I'm still thinking he's he's maybe looking a little back on time. Mm-hmm. Tyre and Sidon were around. They were around um, for quite a while still, second century, I think, even. But um, but Philistia, I'm not so sure of. And the okay. Philistines, they came over in the 1200s. Mm-hmm. So 1200 BC is when they came over. And, and um, of course, before Israel even had kings. Right. Back in the back in the time of the judges, right. it was the Philistines were their main enemy. Yeah. So you know we're we're hundreds of years ago when we're talking about that. And he, but he's saying you know you're going to be repaid for for some of this stuff. Right. And and you stole stuff from our temples, and then and you sold to people. Now if you're selling them to the Greeks now now again you're looking you're looking at the um, you know 300 BC. Yeah, which is interesting. He's jumping all over the place, right? At least with I the clues. So. With the clues, he's jumping all over the place. I'm seeing him jumping around, yeah. Yeah, and just <laughs> picking up stuff and saying, you know, God's going to judge you for this, and God's going to judge you for this. Mm. And Israel's waiting for that. They're they're waiting for these kind of judgments to come. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and the Greeks, we might be talking about earlier Greeks, but you always think Alexander the Great when you think the Greeks. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're thinking, you know, the, the breaking up of um, – of the Greek states, and you're and you're talking about um, um, the Ptolemies and the Seleucids and all this stuff. So you're 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 pushing, you know, you're pushing 160 BC by here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, but but I'm not sure that that he's seeing that kind of stuff. But but we're putting at least we're saying you know this is a judgment on all of these nations mm. around. And I wanted to say you know Assyria and Syria and Moab and Ammon and these nations, but he's actually talking about about very, very different nations for some reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. he is saying, you know, God's going to step in and judge you. Yeah. Uh, verse 7, folks. See, I'm going to rouse them out of the places that which you sold them, and I will return on your own heads what you have done. I will sell your sons and your, your sons and daughters to the people of Judah, and they will sell them to the Sabaeans, a nation far away. The Lord has spoken. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Rouse the warriors. Let all the fighting men draw near and attack. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weakling say, I am strong. Come quickly, all you nations from every side. Assemble there. Bring down your warriors, Lord. Let, let the nations be roused. Let them you advance. want to stop there and we'll, sure. we'll talk for a minute? Yeah. 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 It, it's, we could have, we could have kept reading, but I, I kind of like this. So I'm, um, I'm going to rouse the places where you sold them, return them on your own heads. So your daughters and sons are going to be slaves to the Judeans. It looks like I'm going to sell them to the people of Judah. Right. You know, and that's got to be an earlier time. Cause I don't remember any of that happening later and sell them to the Sabians, um, a nation far away. And the Sabians, uh, you read about them in, Isaiah, I think you read about them, but the, the place you read about them and remember them is in the book of Job, when mm-hmm. it's the Sabians that came in and carried off his stuff. Right. Right. So so they were the enemies of of God's people during that time. And mm-hmm. one of the things I read said they were, it was really weird. I read something that said they were Semites. And in my head, Semites were always Jewish people. Anti-Semitism is against Jewish people, right? But the stuff I read said Semites were actually the people of that of that area, included Arabs okay. and others. 
and later on we're going to read about Lebanese and, and things like that. But but those are the Sabians. So when you think of the Sabians, think of the guys that came in and raided, and the particular place where you're going to remember them is from Job. Hmm. And then he and, he and he says, rouse your warriors, um, let your fighting men be ready. And then he says, beat your plowshares into swords. You know, you know. No, you almost want to say, okay, somebody's got to make up their mind here because you know <laughs> why don't we just why don't we just have swords and plowshares? We're forever beating them into one. <laughs> <laughs> like, what if Where I need that? What if I need that tomorrow? I can't go back that easy. It takes me time. <laughs> I, I can't unless I'm really strong, like my friend Gordy, and and I can actually swing a plowshare yeah, as yeah. if it was a sword. Then I might be all right. And and where are they beating their their swords into plowshares? I, I've forgotten where that is, but that's a it's 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 kind of interesting terminology that they use all the time. I like he says, let the weakling say I'm strong. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and come quickly and assemble. And now he's going to say again, because we're going to the valley. And, and that's what you were reading in verse 12. Yeah. Uh, let the nations be roused. Let them advance into the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the nations on every side. Swing the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come and trample the grapes, for the winepress is full, and the vats overflow. Great, so great is their wickedness. Yeah, so, so this this piece here sounds like what to you, Steve? Um, the swing the sickle, the harvest is right. Oh, it, it's got that very revelationary feel to it, right? Of, of God saying, you know, it's time for judgment to come along. Here it is. Yeah, yeah. You remember that in fourteen? Remember, um, right. you know. Um, uh, the the uh, the grapes and you're going to fill the wine press of God's wrath and it's going to yeah. flow to the horses' bridles for 160 stadia. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm I am thinking that the author of Revelation is is really using this imagery mm -hmm. in Revelation. Right. There's good. Remember, he says there's going to be war. You know, for a, for you know for 180 miles there for 300 kilometers. Right. From. From uh, the Jordan down to the Dead Sea, the whole length of Palestine, really, mm -hmm, and right. and and he is saying the same type of stuff, but and now he's gonna and he's gonna go right into more Revelation stuff, more Matthew fourteen. Right here we go. Uh, ironically, at verse fourteen, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon will be darkened; the stars will no longer shine. The Lord will roar in Zion and thunder from Jerusalem. The heavens and earth will tremble, but the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the people of Israel. And, and that is that language again. That is yeah. that end time language <laughs> that they're using. And, yeah. um, and so they weren't saying in those books, they weren't saying anything new to those people. Hmm. They, they knew that language. They knew the you know, you know, you're going to be, everything's going to be going normal. You're going to be marrying and giving a marriage. And all of a sudden, like pains of a woman in childbirth, it's going to come on you suddenly. You know, this was before the time of ultrasounds. Um, you know, it's, yeah. it's all. It's, <laughs> and it's laughing gas too. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it's all going to come suddenly. And, and the sun and the moon darkened is straight up apocalyptic language. Mm -hmm. it's, it's used here. It's used everywhere else. Um, there are people who believe that this this is actually going to happen, but actually, if this happens, this darkening of the sun and the moon that that is the end of all things. Yes, like that. If that happens, we're done. Yeah, right. So it's it's really more talking about God's judgment and thunder from Jerusalem. Remember yeah. in Revelation, thunder is all the way through that book, the presence yeah. of God. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. good point, bud. Yeah. But God's there for his people. So now he's, he's talking specifically about Israel. God's there for Israel. So you can see how the dispensationalists see Israel as a separate entity mm-hmm. where most of us see them, you know, as, as the churches, Israel and the Gentiles as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, that, so verse 17 now, folks, then you will know that I, the Lord, your God dwell in Zion, my holy hill. Jerusalem will be holy. Never again will foreigners invade her. In that day, the mountains will drip new wine and the hills will flow with milk. All the ravines of Judah will run with water. A fountain will flow out of the Lord's house and will water the valley of Acacia. I think that's how you say it. Acacia tree, right? Isn't that what it is? Yeah. Uh, But Egypt will be desolate. Edom, a desert waste because of violence, because of violence done to the people of Judah in whose land they shed innocent blood. Judah will be inhabited forever, and Jerusalem throughout all generations. Shall I leave their innocent blood unavenged? No, I will not. The Lord dwells in Zion. Yeah, and and some some almost see the new Jerusalem in this, but it's it's not the new Jerusalem. It's it's talking about God restoring um, his his people. Sounds new Jerusalem, doesn't it? And, um, you know, and another pox on Egypt there, just in case. Yeah. You know. <laughs> in case you don't get it, I don't like them. I just wanted to remind yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Egyptians. I'm going to have to read this to my neighbor down the hall. She's Egyptian. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Yeah. It was the funniest thing. She works at a, a Christian place, but and we mentioned Israel, and she was, oh, yes, our enemies. <laughs> I went, huh. <laughs> but it came out just so naturally and so like oh yes our enemies <laughs> yeah, that's right. wow wow yeah we we live in a different world here in canada yeah, and we. edom of course edom those are those are esau's kids yeah the edomites um we always said remember herod was an edomian which meant he was a son of esau as well and and so there was all that going on he said there's going to be there's going to be violence for the violence done to my people I'm, I'm going to avenge their blood. Right. So the Jewish people in this time always had it in their head that God would avenge them. I, mm. I imagine today they're still thinking that God's going to avenge them. Yes. And thinking that that he is not in a hurry. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. It, it's just an outworking of his time. Yeah. That, yeah. There that's you go. Awesome. There you, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but um, that's awesome. I mean, what a great reflection, like you said, of of all these things of Joel's jumping all over the place. And then the writers, the New Testament writers are clearly influenced by some of these images and glom onto them saying, look, Joel saw this and here's what we're, here's what we're seeing is going to happen. Or here's what we're trying to reinterpret that scripture to mean too. Yeah, yeah. And, and the New Testament writers, I mean, they... In- you know, it's the weirdest thing that we're very, very strict about how we use Old Testament. Mm-hmm. But the New Testament writers just used it however suited their need at the time. <laughs> of course, we throw in that that God inspired them to do that, so they were allowed to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's not a cop-out at all, is it? Um. <laughs> I remember one, the, the one I love, and I gotta, I'll got i look it up one day uh, for, the, for our group here, and it's... It's um, it's one of the ones that I did for my my doctorate where he goes, um, he goes, oh, you know, it was it was uh, it was one of the prophets. 
yeah, it was Zachariah or, or, or one of the prophets. <laughs> it was like, yeah, you, did, you didn't even do your homework before you wrote this book. <laughs> and God, God seems just fine with that. Yeah, so true. Yeah. Well, buddy, I like thanks. that. I'm a lazy scholar. <laughs> no, a good scholar. It just doesn't like to have to write a lot of crap. That's all. Yeah, doesn't want to do anything. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Steve. I'm sorry for talking so much. No, not at all. Not at all. My friend, that was that was awesome. Uh, folks, we're so glad that you joined us on this. Isn't it fun to look into a book like Joel and have Larry open it up to us? And then we go, oh, hang on a second. This is used in all these places. And this is God just pouring out his promises back to the people of Israel. And then we can see reflections, you know, as we look forward and backward through the scriptures. So, Isn't it nice we have a smart man here? <laughs> and he's good looking, too. I had to throw that in. And oh, you'll know why just later. Just yeah, Lynn won't listen to us for three more episodes. Yeah. Okay. And I well, did mention that the Valley of, of Acacias, yeah. in, and actually the, the version I read said the Valley of Shittim. Hmm. So Shittim Wood and Acacia, I think, is the same thing. But okay. now I'm probably saying something I don't understand at all. Go down to the notes <laughs> at the bottom. Maybe it'll say something about Acacia. Uh, oh, yeah. Or the Valley of Shittim. Yeah. 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 Which is a much more humorous name, if you ask me. But. Yeah. yeah. That just says that the Jews have a sense of humor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're so happy that you come along with us these weeks. It's encouraging to us, and uh, we just enjoy doing it anyway. So until next time, I was Steve, he was Larry, and this was the Apocalypse Podcast.